Welcome to All Turns and No Breaks with Cam and Renee. This isn't an ordinary show. This is NASCAR Talk for fans by fans. Hey, NASCAR fans. Welcome back to another episode of All Turns No Breaks with Tam and Renee. I'm Renee. She's Tam. Hey, hey, Renee. Hey, Miss Tam. How are you doing? I'm doing great. What's up with you today? Oh, you know, just trying to get all this stuff together so we can do this podcast. We're trying to get it together, Tam. <laughs> okay. For the listeners out there, there's an inside joke right now. For the last three or four weeks since we've had Front Row Kenny on the show, we've had severe technical difficulties. Well, not me, Renee. Renee is the comedian of the show, even though yeah, just I, me. <laughs> yeah, even though I may do most of the talking, he's actually quite funny. Maybe I'll give him a chance to talk one day. But with that being said, Renee is not as tech savvy as I am. So each week we are supposed to record at a specific time and we don't get started until another time. And this week, we actually have a very special guest on, and I'm not even going to introduce him. I'm going to let him introduce himself and tell you all about what he does, as well as his podcast. We're missing his partner in crime, but I'll let him tell you. Go ahead, Sherwin. Yeah. So, hey, everybody. At all turns, no breaks. This is Andrew Sherwin, the pregame engineer, the PE portion of the PETM Racing Podcast. Uh, happy to be here. This is fun. I always like these collaboration shows. They uh, end up being something fun for all crowds to sort of to get to enjoy. Just hear some different perspectives, to have some little bit different personalities going on. It's pretty fun. We are so excited to have you. Those who don't know, shout out your Twitter account as well as your website and where they can find the podcast and what you and Rusty, who's not here, talk about on the podcast. Oh, yeah, sure. So, I mean, you can find me at Pregame Engineer, uh, spell it out. That's my personal. And you can find Rusty at, at Tailgate Mayor. Um, and then if you search PETM Racing Podcast in Google, you will find all of the wonderful spaces that we play in, which are everything except we don't really mess with Snapchat. We're hosted by Podbean. Uh, we, we're linked on iTunes. And we do a, a live video version of the show on YouTube at our YouTube channel, PETM Racing Podcast on YouTube. We know, at least I think I know, but for our listeners, can you let them know what PETM stands for? Yeah, that's Pregame Engineer Tailgate Mayor. I think we branded intentionally off script because we're weird. <laughs> we, we're not smart enough or catchy enough to come up with a slogan. So that seems to be what everybody else is doing. We ride in our own vein and sometimes we wind up in the ditch. Okay. And one last thing and we'll jump in the show. I have to ask you, are you a beer snob? Because I see you guys all the time on Instagram posting these amazing looking beers. So are you a beer <laughs> snob? Or are you a, a Southern guy who drinks whatever is available? So that second thing is much closer to the reality. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I don't have a very sophisticated palate, but I do like beer snobby beers. So okay. I can tell you that at, at any point in time, my refrigerator has a Guinness in it. It has a Miller Lite in it and it has somebody's local IPA. I'm not a beer drinker. Wait, Renee, do you drink beer? Yeah, actually, I, I am. I, 
I drink beer, but I know normally hardly drink beer because Tam knows me and usually like whiskey bourbon is kind of like my thing, but I do indulge in the, in, into beer uh, every so often. And uh, usually when I look at your uh, Instagrams, <laughs> I get thirsty. <laughs> oh yeah, actually yesterday, this is going to sound so snobby. Yesterday I went to Malibu Family Wine Farm or something like that. And I'm not a wine drinker because I'm actually, believe it or not, I like Gentleman Jack. So I like Jack Daniels. I like Tito's. Well, you know what? If you know me, I pretty much will drink anything if I'm not driving. But yeah, so yesterday I was drinking wine. That just sounds so snobby considering (laughs) we're talking about beer. Okay. On that note, we have Front Row Kenny on the episode as well. And I didn't want to leave him out while we went down this whole rabbit hole of beer versus whiskey versus wine. Kenny, do you drink beer? Actually, I am not on the beer side just yet, but I do like ales, like, you know, the Red's Apple Ale, the Angry Orchard. That's kind of my thing, but, you know, I'm only like 22, so I'm still, <laughs> oh trying, my to, God. I'm, I'm still trying to get that feel for, like, beer. Like, I've maybe had, like, three I or like four, how even Kenny just throws college. his age out I'm all the time. Like a, I'm like, really, Kenny? We, we, are, we, <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, we listen, are of listen. age. <laughs> That is what beer is it. a learning process, just like <laughs> wine and liquor, as it turns out. It depends on what you're raised on, right? Yeah, my dad's a bourbon guy. So, I mean, I was still in bourbon when I was, uh, <laughs> let's just say I was at least a teenager. Uh, <laughs> he's not really big into beer, but that's something I developed because the growing beer culture is just, it's a happening thing no matter where you go. Yes, it is. Well, I will share something I think I may have had my first drink when I was in college. I'm almost positive. My mother offered me a drink when I was probably 18 because she drinks cognacs, cavassier, all that stuff. But I was 17 when I was in college. And I think so. I probably just had my first drink when I was in college. But I went to UNLV in Las Vegas and... I used to drink every single thing because it was free. I don't know if anybody, well, I'm sure everybody's been to Vegas. If you haven't, at least go once. But in Vegas, as long as you're at the slot machines, it's free. So me and my friends, we would take $2 worth of nickels. So, you know, you just give the people $2 and they give you a roll of nickels. And we would sit at the slot machines. My God, I may be dating myself, but bear with me. So we would drop two nickels and then we would wait on the waitress to come around and then we would order a drink. And then we would drink it and then we would walk around the casino to another spot and then drop two or three more nickels and then get another drink. So hopefully you guys can appreciate that story. These are just the things you do when you're 17. I don't know. Okay, well, I guess at this point, (laughs) should we just jump into some NASCAR talk? Because I don't know what we're talking about. Okay, that was the weekend recap. So now let's talk about the NASCAR race in Phoenix. Well, I guess, you know what? Let me start by giving you guys the top 10. And then from there, we're just going to let the conversation flow. It went down in Phoenix this week. It was the second to last race of the season. There was a lot on the line. There were five drivers still contending in the playoffs for one spot to race in the championship four in Miami, as in Homestead, Miami. Matt Kenseth, my quiet assassin. Okay, I almost shared a tear. I watched most of the race at home, a good portion of it, and then I listened to the rest on my phone while I was driving to the Malibu wine thing. And I had one glass of wine. I was a little tipsy, and then I saw Matt Kenseth won. I didn't even know 
I couldn't even control myself. I was so happy. Okay, that's random. Nonetheless, so Matt Kenseth was first, Chase Elliott second, Truex Jr. third, Eric Jones fourth, Kevin Harvick fifth, Jamie McMurray sixth, Kyle Busch seventh, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. eighth, Eric Amarola ninth, and Dale Jr. came in tenth. Some notables, and these are pretty much our drivers that were still contending in the playoffs. Brad Keselowski came in sixteenth. Ryan Blaney, 17th, Denny Hamlin, 35th, and we all know why, and we'll talk about that in a minute, and Jimmy Johnson, 39th. Interesting, Chase Elliott came in second, and out of the remaining playoff drivers that were still vibing for that last spot, he came in second, but he wasn't able to seal the deal based on points and all that good jazz. But most people thought it was karma, because we know two weeks ago, Denny Hamlin put him in a wall and then he kind of retaliated or I'll let you guys answer. Do you think Chase Elliott retaliated or do you think it was hard racing at Phoenix? You want to give that one a go, Kenny? I think it's a mix of both. I actually think, of course, that whole element of let me go ahead and get Denny Hamlin back was a thing. But at the same time, we had a situation where we had five guys all trying to get that final playoff spot. And then it just happened to be the 24, the 11 getting together with each other. And I guess the kind of quiet chase and the can't do wrong chase just decided to erase himself. And he just went ahead and made his mark out there and the fans went crazy for it. So I don't know. I guess it's kind of up for debate for a lot of people. Chase Elliott fans were happy about it. You know, Denny Hamlin fans, probably not so much. I don't know what you guys think. Sherwin, your take? Yeah, I'll, I'll let Sherwin go. Go ahead, Sherwin. All right. So you're going to give me, <laughs> you're giving it to me now. I guess what I think is, I'm not a big fan of the word believe, so I would say karma might be out of the equation for me in terms of my opinion on what's going on. I think Chase was very clear about his intention to race Denny the way he felt like he was raced, which was a no prisoners style of racing. I think Denny made a decision at Martinsville that uh, he was willing to take a chance to win that race, and it didn't work out for him. Actually, it, it turned out to be quite a blunder in the end. But uh, I don't know that it was uh, payback as much as it was, hey, uh, you didn't race me like I like to be raced, so I'm going to race you like you probably don't like to get raced. I mean, maybe that's oversimplified, but that's where I'm at with it. Well, my point of view is really basically kind of very simple, kind of actually with Kenny's point of view, really tell you the truth. I think it was just one of those things that uh, the 24 and the 11 just got together and it just happened to be a, a coincidence. I seriously doubt that Chase felt bad about that at all. You know what I'm saying? Like it happened and then he went, well, I don't care. I'm still trying to fight for a spot. I mean, that's what Denny Hamlin told him the last time when they wrecked the first time. You know, Denny's like, hey, look, we're all trying to fight for a spot. Well, I think when that happened, it just was a coincidence that they got together again. But Chase kind of took the attitude that Denny Hamlin took the first time. Well, you know what? We're all trying to get the last spot here. So, oh, well, you know what I mean? And they just kind of let it be. Now, is it over, over? Who knows? I mean, there's only one race left, so I, we might have to wait till next year to, to figure that out. So <laughs> at least it'll give us something to look forward to next year. I mean, that's a good question. Kenny, Sherwin, do you think it's over? Do you think it'll continue next week? Or do you guys think that this is just the way it's going to be from now on? Like, can the bad blood be mended? I mean, you know, it's like when you think about Brad Kozlowski and Kyle Busch, they have an ongoing issue that will never be resolved no matter what do you guys see the chase denny thing in the making becoming something like that 
I think like the Brad Keselowski and Kyle Busch thing was a little different because it stemmed from then nationwide all the way up until they got in the cup and it just carried on and on and on for a good for a good amount of time and it's still a thing now. But this Denny thing and Chase, I don't know how long exactly it's gonna last or how far it will go. Chase doesn't really have that personality that I see as, yeah, I'm gonna go straight at Denny like next week. We don't know how that's going to pan out. But then again, it's not going to make too much of a big difference for either of them because they don't really have much to go for besides, you know, finish the season and come on home for next year. Maybe it'll transition next year, but who knows? Yeah, so I think where I'm at with it is I think Chase needed to let Denny know that, like, he was not <laughs> he was not messing around for lack of uh, to keep that clean there, that comment. But uh I don't think it goes any farther for Chase as long as the next time that Denny and, and he are in that position where one guy probably should give the other guy more space. As soon as Denny, Denny does, I think uh, Chase will race him the way that he is raced. So it's a matter of decision. With I think it really lies with Denny. If Denny's willing to say, yep, okay, we had a couple of spots there that, that weren't really good for either one of us. And it didn't result for either one of them in a championship. So there's no positive hangover there in that respect. So I, I think as soon as Denny gives him, him him some quarter, I think Chase will be happy to give it back. My thoughts was I've rewatched the race today and I wanted to kind of check out the last 70, 80 laps. And I felt like I saw a different Chase, even the way he was racing Matt Kenseth. And he kind of bumped a little bit. He was going hard. And I was like, okay, I think we're seeing a different chase. I've interviewed the guy. I've been around him thanks to a couple of sponsors. And he's just very reserved. He's almost like a mini Jimmy Johnson. And we've talked about this before on the podcast. He gives me Jimmy Johnson, not Dale Jr. Although there are some similarities with him and Dale in regards to their fathers being legends. Chase will at some point become most popular driver. He doesn't have that personality that Dale Jr. has. He has more of a Jimmy Johnson reserved, I'm a lover, not a fighter type of guy. But I felt in those last couple of laps, especially the way him and Matt Kenseth was racing towards the end, like this may be a new Chase. Now, I don't think Chase has it in him to just initiate something, but I do feel as if. If you bring it to him, he may try to finish it, if that makes sense. Who knows? Those are just my thoughts. And then the guy is sponsored by Hooters. Maybe we're seeing something new. (laughs) Let's just face it. (laughs) Well, I think he's he's got a lot of creative license with how he wants to manage it because he does have a strong fan base behind him. He's now had two different experiences that... Uh, one was, was probably good for him as a driver at Phoenix, and one was bad for him at Martinsville, where the villain, so to speak, the other person in the equation, uh, was vehemently rewarded with boos from the crowd. So uh, the NASCAR fan base is behind Chase, and perhaps that uh, gains him some credit, so to speak, with his behavior. Although I don't think that Chase is the kind of guy that would no, take advantage of that. No, because I just feel like, and again, it's just my opinion, like, I feel like Kyle Larson has it in him to dust up. I don't feel like Chase has it in him. Regardless, he's just not that guy. Personally, and you guys can weigh in on this, I'm not sure if I'm happy with the future of NASCAR, meaning that we need more villains. At least I think so. Like, 
Tony left. That was huge for me. Now my quiet assassin, Matt, is leaving because, you know, Matt wouldn't dust up unless you dust up with him. But the personalities are gone. Is Now is very much cookie cutter, sponsor, I got to do right type of personalities as opposed to you bump me, I'm going to bump you back. I may put you in the wall. I don't know. You guys can weigh in on it. That's just kind of how I feel. I want to see more personality, more. I don't want to see anybody get hit in the face, you know, like the way Tony (laughs) would do it. But I do feel like the young guys don't have that thing in them to just, uh, I don't know how to explain it. Hopefully you guys. I totally agree that the younger drivers that are coming up now, I think that they have to come up with their own personalities, whoever they feel like they want to be or whoever they think that they are. I think we still got a long way to go for that to be seen uh, because they are so young. And as these older drivers just kind of step aside and either retire or whatever the case may be that they leave the, the sport, speaking in as far as Chase is concerned, I agree with Sherwin. I, I don't see Chase being that type of guy who's going to be some kind of intimidator. What I will say and what I will reiterate, what I said on a couple of episodes of our podcast, Tam, if you remember, this whole incident with Denny Hamlin could really like move him forward in a positive way where he can maybe use this to get over the hump and finally win his first race. It may not happen at Homestead, but going forward next year, maybe just this little incident is just what he needed, that little fire to burn under his belly to, to propel him to win his first race. Because once I th- believe he gets his first race, he's going to win a lot more. It's just like Kyle Larson. We didn't know whether Kyle was going to win the race first or Chase was going to win the race first. But look at Kyle Larson. He won one race. And then this kid is a racer, man. I mean, look what Kyle has done after his first race. I kind of see that happening with Chase, but Chase just has to get his first win. Okay, so I'll let you guys weigh in on that. But I also, I'm going to throw another question at both you, Sherwin and Kenny. I want you guys to chime in on that. But my question is, will he figure it out? Do you guys see Chase winning anytime? Well, we can't say soon because there's only one more race left, but just say early part of next season. So Kenny, Sherwin, if you guys want to weigh in on that, that would be awesome. I think I'll say it'll come along very soon. Obviously, we've got Homestead left and that's it. But I think next year is where he finally gets his win. I really was hoping he got his win this year at Atlanta. He had a good car in Atlanta earlier in the spring. I hope he can do it there. And I feel like that'd be a great place for him to win. He's already got a huge fan base in Georgia. And I feel like that would even catapult it even further and be one of those things for him as he continues to go on throughout his career. And like you said, he's kind of a reserve guy. So don't expect him to be like the bad boy guy chased it. Some people acclaim that he'll end up being. But at the end of the day, I feel like he'll be himself do what he has to do, and he'll get wins. He's not a bad driver. He's in good equipment. I think he's going to be just fine. How about you, Sherwin? Well, I like what you said there. And of course, being a Georgia boy myself, I mean, I'm always going to have some bias there, right? I, I watched the kid race a Bandolero when he was 11 years old. So the sentiment of him potentially winning his first race at Atlanta is cool. I would actually rather it be his second race that he wins. I would love for him to win in the 24 and just kind of ride off in the sunset. I think I said it a little bit differently on Twitter or maybe even on our show. Just kind of, you know, give everybody the <laughs> the willpower, if you will, at Loudon. I'm leaving the 24. I'm going to the 9. I'm racing my daddy's number. Uh, we're going to get some work done. I don't really care how soon it is into next year that he wins. I don't think it's going to matter. I think um, it's pretty obvious that switching to the Camaro is going to be a good thing for Chevy. I think the win's going to happen sooner than later. 
But if it doesn't happen in the first five to ten, it's not going to matter. Once he starts winning, he's going to keep winning. Okay, fair enough. I think he may have a good chance to win Daytona because, after all, he came in the sport and sat on the pole in Daytona. And he's won, you know, he's raced pretty well at restrictor plate tracks. So we shall see. On that note, I don't know. I feel like I want to talk about Jimmy Johnson, but I'm itching to talk about Matt Kenseth. But since we're talking about the Hendrick guys, I guess we'll stay on that. Question to all of you guys. Who gets a win first? William Byron, Alex Bowman, or Chase Elliott? Wow. Well, I'll just start that off here real quick. And uh, I'm a little biased with Chase because I really do like this kid. But Tam, I got a little personal favorite too, as far as Bowman is concerned, because, you know, we had an opportunity to really get to know him on a personal level when we got to interview him. I'm going to go with Chase though. I'm going to say Chase is going to be the guy who, who wins one first. And I just kind of, you know, see it coming already. It's like I can already see him winning in the first couple of races of next year. So I'm going to go with Chase on that. Um, For me, the Alex Bowman and Chase Elliott thing, man, I'll even throw William Byron in there. I don't know. Who's going to get that first win? And I might just going to go with Chase. I think Chase is going to finally knock it off next year. He's had really good runs all this year, even despite having some trouble finishing these races. He's had good runs. He's consistently been in the top 10 all season long. I feel like he's finally going to break loose next year. It's just like how we kind of worried about Kyle Larson and we kind of had those questions about him. I feel like he's just going to finally get it done. Like a lot of people were worried about Kyle Larson. They didn't know, man, is he going to win or is he just going to be that guy that continues to finish in second? But he finally proved his point in Michigan in August a year ago and continued to do the same thing this year, winning four races. So I think Chase will have that same type of effect. How about you, Sherwin? Well, I'm going to go long in the tooth on this because outside of Dale Earnhardt Jr., Hendrick really hasn't had somebody with an exceptional skill set at plate racing, which means early winning in the season is not uh, necessarily some of their strong points. I'm going to say Jimmy Johnson's going to get the first win in 2018 for Hendrick because he's just such a good racer and we know that car is going to be better. And it takes a long time to learn how to win in a cup car. We've seen that time and time again. Speaking of Jimmy, do you guys see him getting his eighth championship next year? Do you guys, in fact, see him getting the eighth championship? (laughs) Well, (laughs) so if you had to bet the field against him, what bet would you place in Vegas? Me and Kenny always see eye to eye when it comes to somebody like Jimmy Johnson, but you know what? Oh, you Jimmy Johnson stands. (laughs) As long as that guy is <laughs> is behind the wheel in a stock car and racing, I have to give him credit. I mean, you know, he's, I mean, he's Mr. Seven Time. Why wouldn't he have a, a good shot to be number eight all by himself? I mean. Because NASCAR doesn't want it secretly. I don't think NASCAR wants it. You know, oh, I, okay, man, I Sherman, know I'm the that. conspiracy head on this show, and I don't feel like NASCAR really <laughs> wants it to happen. That's just my opinion. Like, he miraculously is having shitty equipment, excuse my French, this year. I don't know. It's a coincidence? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'm an anti-conspiracy theorist when it comes to uh, especially that topic where you talk about people that are at an an elite level that's very challenging to measure, winning seven championships. it's, It's very challenging to measure him against his own peers, much less the history of the sport. I would say if I had to flip 
a coin and bet on one side or the other, the side I would bet on is Jimmy's going to win eight. I think he's capable of winning eight. Jimmy, to me, is like Tom Brady. Like, you cannot knock their work ethic. I think he is a great driver, but I don't feel as if NASCAR wants him to be the greatest driver. Let's face it, you can't compare Jimmy Johnson to the King or to Dale Earnhardt Sr. for that matter, because they're just different eras. Like, I don't know how people continuously compare because what was going on way back when they were racing in that era versus now, they're just just two different eras. But I do feel secretly a lot of NASCAR nation is rooting against Jimmy to get the eighth championship because then he will truly be considered the greatest. But that's just me. Old people are rooting against that. (laughs) Yeah. The best thing that NASCAR can have to rejuvenate their fan base and get a younger group in is to have records be broken now. That's what helps. That's what helps rejuvenate a fan base. I guess um, not blanketly disagree, but I would say I think what's best for NASCAR is is Jimmy absolutely winning eight, maybe even nine, so that we can talk about the guy that's now being the best there's ever been. I 100% agree with you, but we all know, regardless of what side of the conspiracy theory stance you take, is NASCAR never does everything the way it should. <laughs> so Yeah, no kidding, man. Well that's there's no BS in that statement. <laughs> that, 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 no, I mean that, let's that, think about true. it. If Jimmy wins, that is most excellent for the sport because it's a storyline that can be talked about and hopefully attract new fans, whether he's going on the Jimmy Kimball show or one of the morning programs. It's great publicity for the sport. But when have we ever known NASCAR to do the things that we all think are great? Let's just be honest. That's true. But no sport okay, is perfect. Okay, no sport That's is perfect, but NASCAR no sometimes is always, to use Sherwin's phrase, is on the other side of the coin. A lot of times. So, but that's just my opinion. Yeah. I mean, you guys know I love me some NASCAR, but I do kind of give you my opinion, (laughs) whether it's right or wrong. But okay. (laughs) Moving on. Right. Oh, Matt Kenseth. I don't know. I mean, we can never run out of things to talk about, (laughs) but I just didn't want to force Matt Kenseth upon you, but I'm going to force him. I'm going to force him into this conversation tonight. Matt Kenseth, Matt Kenseth, Matt Kenseth. Yeah, you know what? I was Kenseth. just about to say that in defense to Tam, I, I have coming. to admit, I and, I, and I'm not trying to be biased here because she's my partner in crime here. Let me tell you something about Tam. She is stuck with Matt Kenseth the entire year. Do you understand what I'm saying? From day one of the podcast this year, she's stuck with Matt Kenseth all the way through, even from last week. She wasn't even going to go with him, but she did, Kenny, and she's, I have to give it to her, man. She stuck with him, and finally, finally, Matt Kansas comes through for her. Yeah, well, he wasn't my pick last week only because I figured that, or this week, I figured that somebody who was trying to get that last playoff spot was going to show up and show out. But Matt Kenseth, like, dude. I I was so emotional. I know this sounds crazy, but it was like when Michael Jackson died for me. (laughs) Like, (laughs) well, I was emotional when Prince died too, which is crazy. But yeah, no, it was a huge thing. Like, I actually felt some type of way about Matt Kenseth winning more than I felt about when Tony won last year in his last season, which is huge because you cannot tell me anything about 
my man smoke you know the ladies love smoke women of a certain age love tony stewart (laughs) this is a fact and i'm a woman of a certain age and i love me some tony stewart but i was really truly (laughs) rooting for matt kenzie and this is even before i found out that he wasn't coming back i like veteran drivers what can i say and sherwin as somebody who i never asked you sherwin who's your favorite driver or do you not have one or is it one person you root for more than others? Well, I've been a Casey Kane fan for, I call it, 13 years now. Why? <laughs> Biggest Casey Kane fan on my timeline. <laughs> yeah, so there's some cool sort of like steps to the process. The first race I ever went to was at, uh, Spring Atlanta 2004. Dale Jr. won that race. I tweeted out about that. Uh, Rusty and I went together. We had another friend from college that went with us. I had gotten into racing, watching racing in 2001. I watched uh, a very now infamous race. It was the very first race that I ever watched. So I was kind of intrigued from the start about what this NASCAR thing was. And I wasn't really sure who I wanted to root for. Like, uh, I was kind of pulling for Tony Stewart. And then I found out, you know, about Bill Elliott and Dawsonville and Georgia. And it's like, this is our guy. And then he steps out of the car and Casey King gets in. I'm like, well, this is a very natural transition. I don't understand motorsports as well as I understand (laughs) stick and ball. Uh, But I was a huge sports fan initially. So I figured, well, I'll figure this out. And I didn't care where he was from. You know, he had a lot of success early and it made, you know, it just kind of made sense that in 2005, I started being a Casey Kane fan and Rusty at that time, I had already steered him towards Rusty Wallace and that was Rusty Wallace's retirement year. So he was all in on the number two Miller Lite uh, Dodge at the time. I think he started, you know, the Miller Lite Ford uh, before they switched over. But uh, Casey King just felt like a natural uh, a starting point for a new fan. And I stayed all in. And he's had as good a career as you could ever ask from a fan. Like, if you always have to root for a winner, you're going to be disappointed a lot. <laughs> okay, so I have a question for you. Two questions, actually. My first question is, what do you feel about Casey Kane now, considering that, okay, I, I'm just going to put it out there. I feel like Matt Kenseth doesn't have a ride, but Casey Kane does. This is just my own opinion. It bothers me. But what do you think will happen next year for Casey Kane? I mean, obviously, he's not in Hendrick equipment, but do you see him being competitive next season? Well, so here's how it's such a weird situation, is that while Hendrick needed to make the transition to William Byron, and Alex Bowman. It's so different in that he already had Casey Kane under contract and a really no way out. Not only that, but Casey Kane never did anything wrong by Rick Hendrick. So he felt obligated to pay Casey to race this year. Well, obviously he wanted to pay him to race a Chevy. So they had to find a Chevy partner, even though the car he's going to drive, the Levine family racing car is a technically an RCR partner. I think that they're still going to get some help from the Hendrick crowd. I expect Casey to perform better in that car than that car performed with Michael McDowell. And it's not because I hold a much higher opinion of Casey than I do Michael McDowell. I think Michael McDowell is a great racer. He's a great dude. You can't ask for a better person. I think it's just a better situation. And I guess what I would hope from this better situation for Casey Kane is that it ends up being a two-year situation where they get a partner for 2019 and that he gets a chance to come back to a car that it really is a race-winning car. I agree. 
I don't know. I really was hoping that he got the number five or the number 10 car. Like, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to go on record as saying, although Eric Amarola, he came in the top 10 this week. Yeah, he came in ninth. But I'm just going to go on record as saying I'm totally against him going to Stuart Haas. I don't know why. I just kind of felt that, although, I I mean, I'm no disrespect to your driver, Casey King, but I would have rather seen Casey King go to the number 10 if they didn't pick up Matt Kenseth. Like, I'm just disappointed in the fact that that number 10 car didn't go to a veteran driver. And I mean, Eric's been around a while. I, I don't know. I'm just, to me, he's not a Stuart Haas guy. Well, so to jump back in, Tam, I 100% agree with you from a fan perspective. I thought the 10 made perfect sense for Casey. And honestly, starting in about May, I really did think that's the way that was going to shake out. Because Tony and Casey have a really good relationship based on their dirt open wheel background. It just made sense. Uh, When Smithfield became the major player in the sponsorship relationship, I thought, ooh, I don't know. I think Casey's probably not in that piece of the puzzle. But the other thing that got in the way of it was Hendrick announcing that he was going to pay Casey's salary. And, you know, Stuart Haas had already gone to Ford. I think as soon as SHR said, yeah, we're, we're going to Ford back in December or whatever it was, uh, best probably the best kept secret in NASCAR silly season over the last 10 years, arguably, I think. Yeah, once that happened, I don't think Casey was part of the game because Casey's salary, like I said, he's going to get a paycheck from Hendrick Motorsports to drive Levine Family Racing's number 95 car. My other question to you, you mentioned that you became a fan in 2001 during an infamous race. So is it safe to say that was Daytona? Yeah, 100%. My roommate baited me into it. He said, all right, dude, we've watched Days of Thunder like 25 times and you don't. NASCAR on a regular basis like can we just watch this race and because like he had actually watched a couple of races before and we're both from Georgia and uh he's like hey man if we're gonna watch this damn movie every other Saturday night when we get too drunk why don't we watch this race and figure out what the hell this sport's really about and uh I guess we figured out what it was really about in a very shocking way and uh, I've been intrigued ever since that's a crazy race to have it be like your first complete race. I've shared this before and I'll just share it a little bit, but many, many, many years ago, I had an opportunity to hang out with DW, with Daryl Waltrip down at his shop. And my infamous story is I ate catfish and hush puppies with DW. He told the most amazing story about that day. And that story... I mean, I get a little jittery when I think about him telling that story. I actually have some of it. I videoed some portions of it. He's a great storyteller. That's the first thing. Like, literally, if this guy wrote a book and did an audio portion of his book, I would probably buy the audio portion just to hear him talk. I mean, you know, we see him each week on TV and, you know, a lot of people think he should retire, which I totally disagree because I feel like he offers a part of the history of NASCAR that we can't get from just anybody. So I actually enjoy watching him on TV. But saying all that to say, to hear him tell the story of what happened that day is just, it's mind boggling because he was caught between his brother, Mikey, winning and what happened with Senior. So it's an emotional roller coaster as he tells the story, even 
he talks about how he blacked out. There's a portion of what happened. He still does not remember. And other people have told him, but he just pretty much blocked it out in his mind, which is crazy. Wow. That's, that's crazy. Yeah. You know, actually, speaking of the Daytona 500 and 01, I was a little bit young then. Were you born? Like, Look. Because <laughs> you know you're only yeah, 22 yeah. years old, right, Kenny? <laughs> yeah, I was, yeah, I was born. <laughs> yeah, that was 16 years ago. <laughs> I know, I know, right? <laughs> but um, at the time, I just remember me and my father watching that race and the end of that race. I remember it kind of vividly. It was just that last lap that I still can play in my head and just the ending. I just remember like a rolling credits at the end of that Daytona 500 and it was just like playing sad music and then that was just the end of the race and the next thing you know, I'm finding out Dale and Hart passed away and my dad's trying to explain to me what happened. And then that kind of led me to get, which is actually in my room right now. I have like this huge, kind of like a banner. It's like a silk banner that Action Diecast made. And it was like a of the Dale Earnhardt car. And ever since then, it's just like, that's been one of those things I remember, but not as clearly as some other people do. But it was a crazy day for the sport. And I can't imagine if I could have processed all of it like how I could like right now. Yeah. I mean, I still get chills sometimes when they play the repeat. Like, I don't want to see yeah. that last part. It was pretty intense same, same to see everything. Same. Well, let's kind of... I don't want to talk about that anymore. Look, not that I'm controlling <laughs> On a lighter anything, night. but I don't. Okay. <laughs> what I do want to talk about is, since we're talking about NASCAR, let's kind of jump into the state of NASCAR. And I do want to briefly touch on the Bubba Wallace situation with the high school coach quitting. And I don't really want to focus on I mean, you guys can share whatever thoughts and comments that you may have. If you know, and our listeners know, Renee and I do not like to talk about a lot of politics and religion, although as of late, everything has pretty much been just crossing over. We like to keep things fun, lighthearted, and really just kind of talk about NASCAR and tell you guys how our weekend was. But I want to talk about the Bubba thing only because Bubba's comment to everything that was happening it made me see a different Bubba. I think Bubba may come out on the track next year. I don't know. I, I don't want to. Yeah, I'm going to go out there and say, I think he may be a contender next year. I mean, granted, he's only going to be as good as the equipment will allow him to be. But Bubba showed me something new. So for those who didn't know, there was some type of comment made by a coach that obviously was racist. And Bubba, as we would say, he clapped back. Bubba's response was pretty much simple. Well, he said a bunch of things, but I'm only going to read one tweet. He said, there is only one driver from an African-American background at the top level of our sport. I am the one. You're not going to stop hearing about the black driver, in quotes, for years. Embrace it, accept it, and enjoy the journey. To me, that was like his aha, I have arrived moment. And before you guys comment, I've had an opportunity to interview Bubba a couple of times, and I spent some time with him way back when with Toyota Racing as well as Rev Racing when he was still signed to Joe Gibbs Racing. and. To see the journey of him to actually make a statement like that, to me, it's like, I feel like, okay, he has arrived because he's not the kid 
who shied away from all the talk about his ethnicity and all that. Like that statement just put everybody on blast. He is, or as in his words, quote, I am the one, you know, that he is the black driver. So I just wanted to kind of put that out there because I kind of feel like, okay, Bubba, we hear you now. We're about to see him. Anybody want to chime in on that? Mm, I think I'll take a dab at it. So like that whole situation with the coach, I'll say this quickly. It's good and bad that this happened because you know what? It's just another way to read weed out another fan like that. You just continue to brush people off like that. Get those racist fans up out of here. I mean, he just felt the need to go like that and say what he had to say. And I feel like that was just his character. He just showed it to everybody in this world and some of the NASCAR world. And it kind of hurts because the whole stereotype is still there. And, you know, they've been working to try and get this eliminated at least to some degree and just try and keep this sport friendly as po- fan friendly as possible, no matter who's coming to see the race. You know, we don't want those problems. I don't want those problems. But for what Bubba had to say, I'm damn proud of him point blank period i'm glad he just went out on his limb and said that because he is the one and i feel great that he's the one because i grew up and i had no idea that this was even possible at first i mean i had never seen one besides bill lester in 05 and then i eventually learned of the story of wendell scott so i mean this is a huge accomplishment to me i I think this is huge and it's great to see this happen i'm glad that he's gonna totally embrace this moment and just be himself and let everybody be known that this is what he is and this is what he's going to be. And he's here to stay for a long ass time. And I'm glad. Okay. Renee, Sherwin, anybody else want to comment? Yeah, I'll go ahead and just say something real quick. I don't have a, a really a long comment or anything, but I think this particular issue is, is sometimes we always get, you're right, Kenny. This kind of situation always comes up every once in a while. And it just goes to a test like NASCAR is NASCAR. I mean, it's a completely different sport than any of the other sports that we normally watch, whether it be basketball, football, hockey, baseball. And it has its own particular fans. And uh, all of us here on this podcast understand, you know, exactly what is going on here. It's not something new. It's not something that's just coming out of the blue. It's something that we deal with on a regular basis, whether it has something to do with sports or just anything in general in life. But the great thing about this is, is that the way that I see it, is as we move into this new era of younger drivers, and even as Sherwin kind of pointed out earlier in the podcast, as we start to move forward and NASCAR tries to gain a better hold of a new era of fans, I think this is where we can kind of move NASCAR as a fan base in a more positive and different direction where we can get these younger fans not to think this way. and not. And, and, but this is the problem that you see on social media all the time because this is the world we live in. We live in a world of social media. And when things like this happen, you have to understand that as whether you're a coach, whether you're a player, whether you're just a regular fan or some Joe Schmo sitting in the basement of your your house not doing anything, and you get on social media and you say something, you have to be prepared for what's going to come after that once you let it out. And when you're in a position like this coach is, unfortunately, he got a lot of backlash. But Kenny, I agree with you. I thought Bubba handled it really well. And let's hope that we can kind of move on from this and people can kind of learn and see what not to do, especially when it comes to social media. Sherwin? I think what I would say is uh, we've done our absolute level best over on PETM to incorporate discussion that drives thinking around how do we incorporate or how do we include the people that we think are going to be NASCAR fans. And with Bubba Wallace, we think 
the group you want to include most is young African-American or young black fans. However, they choose to identify with those particular labels. I think Bubba did. I don't know that he could have done it any better than he did than to do what he did on social media to try to get people to understand that, like, if you're not figuring out why this is a good thing for NASCAR, NASCAR doesn't need you. We don't want you. We don't need you. Okay, so embrace what Bubba is because it is a leap into the future about how diverse this space can be and why it should be diverse if we really give it its due. So you won't find bigger fans of Bubba than the PETM podcast. We are huge, huge fans of Bubba and everything that's going to happen for him in the next couple of years. And I don't understand why anyone would stand in the way. I'll read one other tweet from Bubba that was literally prior to the tweet that I just read. He said, new fans coming from the great article by Lars Anderson, 71. Don't get it twisted. I don't walk around throwing race out. Line all 40 of us up with suits, helmets, etc. on. You can't tell us apart. We all are racers. Been saying that since day one. I think pretty much sums up the truth is that, unfortunately, I've actually, just for clarification, I read Bubba's first comment, not so much to highlight or, you know, about the race issue, but more so to highlight the fact that Bubba has come within his own where he's standing up and just saying, look, enough is enough. This is who I am. This is what it's going to be. But with that being said, it's sad that, and again, it's not a race thing. It's just a Twitter fingers thing. Like sometimes I hate social media. Kenny, you've grown up with social media, so it is what it is. But for us, the rest of us on this podcast, I think we're all of age. We didn't grow up with social media. What I see a lot is that people hide behind their computer and they feel the need to say whatever they want to say. And it's just mind boggling, especially NASCAR fans, not anything racial, but sometimes like even today when we were discussing the Denny Hamlin and the Chase Elliott thing, people were like, really like F Denny Hamlin. I hate blah, blah, blah. And I've seen some other comments and I'm just like, wow, like, it's just not that serious. I don't know why people feel the need to just be so boisterous all the time. But all that being said, kudos to Bubba. I agree with you, Sherwin. We are waiting on Bubba to break out. I am excited that he finally got a cup ride. I was a little disappointed with Smithfield, the fact that they jumped ship from uh, Richard Petty. But then once it all came out, it seemed that it was not necessarily an issue. It seemed like, honestly, there may have been some issue with Richard Petty and Smithfield, not necessarily Smithfield not wanting to support Bubba. Yeah, I agree with that. That makes sense. Yeah, so with all that being said, I am glad that Bubba is in a cup car. Blaney already got his win, but I think, you know what? I think Bubba, I do feel like Bubba's going to get a win before William Byron. I think Alex Bowman, though, like low-key, that simulator taught him a lot. I think think he's going to, I think he's going (laughs) to surprise everybody next year. Okay, I got a question for you guys. It's just really random. Eric Jones, Daniel Suarez, Bubba Wallace, William Byron, or Alex Bowman? Who's getting their first win first? I see Eric Jones out of all of those. I think I'm on the Daniel Suarez train, honestly. He's shown a lot. Mm. 
That's a tough list, but because of the way Eric Jones has performed this year, I'm going to go with Eric Jones. I See, know. What's wrong with you guys? <laughs> I'm telling you, man. <laughs> you know, me and Kenny are the same age. Uh, so, no, you know. your son is Kenny's age. Like, <laughs> 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 I'm going to put Renee on blast. No, his son <laughs> is Kenny's age. I was going to say, wow. <laughs> <laughs> no, Thanks, that's Daniel. true. <laughs> okay, oh, so oh, wow. I feel oh. like Daniel Suarez. I think Daniel Suarez got some fire in him. And I think, you know what? I have talked about Pablo Montoya, Juan Pablo Montoya, a couple of times in the last month. You know, he used to be very fiery. And I, okay, that was no pun intended. As the words was coming out of my mouth, I'm not talking about him (laughs) running into the jet dryer. Not at all. Okay, random. I don't know, Sherman, if you heard when I talked about this. Do you follow F1 at all? A very distant follow. Okay. I sat next to Christian Homer, who's the F1 boss for uh, the Red Bull racing team. And he's also married to one of the Spice Girls. But we talked for a long time about racing. And he used to race with um, Montoya. And he wasn't aware that he hit the jet dryer. And I was like, what rock have you been under? Like, everybody who knows anything about racing knows that that crazy guy hit the jet dryer. Because it absolutely, I remember watching it and I was like, how did he hit the jet dryer? Like, we're under caution. What didn't he see? But anyway, that's just very (laughs) random. So getting back to the story, I feel like Daniel Suarez has a little fire in him. Like, I feel like he'll mix it up and dust it up with somebody if they bring it to him. So I do, I don't know. I'm feeling like Alex is just going to be the man and you guys don't know. But I may have to agree and say Daniel Suarez is going to get a win. But then I want to say Eric Jones. Okay, so I'm not going to say anything. How about that? Okay, well, we're not going to call Eric Jones a dark ho- a dark horse <laughs> or Daniel Suarez. <laughs> that's, that's the one thing we're all missing is Suarez is bodied up, and he comes from a little bit crazy background. I know his dad had a lot of money selling cars, but he's bodied up. Like, he's tough. He's, yeah. He, he's jacked. If he oh, yeah. wants to no execute doubt. justice, no he's prepared for it. Well, that's why I said fiery. I think he will go there, but we'll see. We talked about it a little earlier, but I feel like one of these new guys has it in them to give us some Tony Stewart-like drama, or even Kevin Harvick for that matter, because sometimes we forget Kevin Harvick will bring it to you. You know, let's not forget Kevin and the wife took it to Jimmy in the haulers. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. Okay. We are, we need to, we've been talking forever. I've enjoyed having all you guys on. Thank you so much. But of course, we got to get to the end of the show. I did want to talk a little bit about Hooters re-upping as well as STP coming back on board with Richard Petty. I don't know if it's much of anything to talk about, but that kind of shows that NASCAR may still have a little spunk you know we're in an era where a lot of sponsors are getting out of the sport so to see those two kind of come back and re-up is great but I, oh good year anybody want to chime in on good year because apparently there's a deal that's almost finished should we is it good for the sport do we need another tire company to come in no absolutely not kenny well, I know Goodyear has been a lo- around for quite some time, and it's been like the normal in NASCAR. 
I think maybe Goodyear should try and mix it up. Maybe try and give us like different compounds. I just hope it's kind of a better result than what we got at Charlotte for the all-star race. Cause I was actually there to watch that and it kind of made a difference, but not really, you know, so much. Cause I mean, at Charlotte, once you get clean air, you're gone. So it'll be interesting to see them stick around, but I really don't expect anybody else to jump in. I don't expect Hoosier, Continental, or anybody to come in and try and give a new tire to NASCAR. Yeah, I don't see that either, and I don't think we need another tire company either. I'm, I'm on board with Sherwin, and if, if I'm Kyle Bush, maybe I, I want another tire company because he's, he's, he's always got something bad to say about Goodyear. But you know what? Uh, yeah, we definitely don't need another tire company. Okay, well, I'll leave that one there. I think we, oh, one last thing. We did not cover Tony Stewart. There was some conversation earlier this week about him possibly racing in Xfinity. My thoughts are I would just be happy to see Smoke back on the track. But then at the same token, I feel like, I don't know, it's that whole argument should veteran drivers race in the Xfinity series. But now you have a three-time champ. I don't know. Thoughts? Anybody want to share anything on that? I'll just say this real quick, Tim, and guys, you can chime in on this. If you My thing with that is, is that, you know, once I see veterans, especially like guys like Smoke or somebody coming back or, or even Dale Jr. next year for all that matters, when I see that come back and drive or race uh, Xfinity, you know, I'm just like, just come back and race Cup. I mean, you're already one step behind there. I mean, you might as well do it because then I I want more. Then I want to see, and I don't want to, I hate when my feelings get all like that because, you know, it's just, I don't know. I, I don't mind seeing them in Xfinity, but you know what? Now, if Tony wanted to go back and race dirt tracks, I'm totally cool with that. But uh, I don't really personally care too much for them seeing a, a race Xfinity. Kenny, Sherwin? For me, I'll say... It's interesting to see them come back for like those one-off appearances. Like, you know, Tony or Dale is more than likely to probably come back for a Daytona race in Xfinity or Talladega or something like that. You know, they come around every once in a while. It's cool. And for somebody like Tony, like how Renee was talking about dirt racing, and I mean, that's what he does now. He doesn't even put out his schedule for when he's going out to those races. I actually had a chance to sit next to uh, Mike Bagley from MRN while he did an interview with uh, Tony Stewart. And I actually got a chance to talk to him a little bit about that. And it's kind of cool for him to just go out and do his thing because he told me that it's just that we just go out, load up. And when we go to the track is when we go to the track. And then if fans are there, they're there. He's just, I guess he's kind of in that stage where he's just relaxing, doing what he loves to do. Sharon, want to add anything to that? Uh, I don't know what I would add to that, to be honest with you. I mean. Okay. Either you like them at the <laughs> racing in Xfinity? No. Well, so I, you know, when it comes to cup, you're talking about cup guys in the Xfinity races. Yeah. So for me, it's about the business model and people can get pissed as, as much as they want as fans, but if the business model doesn't support what the fans want, then the fans are not paying attention to what makes the sport work. So they have to figure that out themselves. Okay, if you don't like Kyle Busch and his team, the KBM team, winning, I don't know, what, 17 of 36 races or whatever, Okay, well then stop watching, stop going, and give the calibration to the sport that you think you need to give. Otherwise, I don't know how you're going to impact the way it changes if you don't do that. Okay, fair enough. I don't care, but I do, if that makes sense. I feel like, you know, it's good racing for the young guys to race against the veterans. But then on the flip side... There's been no champion or no guy that's had success in the last five years in Cub 
that has suggested that it's bad that cup racers race in the Xfinity series or trucks. <laughs> that is a very good point. They all say, yes, we have to learn how to race from these guys. Best point. Oh, that's- you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's perfect because, I mean, even Kevin Harvick said it. I remember you guys said in the podcast when he mentioned that when he raced that k race in Sonoma that he didn't really care about that. I'm not going out there to, for the fans to say like, oh, yeah, you're ruining these other guys' chances. I still think it's a good opportunity for them to race against them and have that chance where you have the young guys racing against those guys that have more experience. I mean, it does help them. I know some people might not see it that way, but like Sherwin said, with the whole business model, the fans, what we want with the whole eliminate them completely thing just doesn't work. We probably won't see an Xfinity series or a truck 100%. series. 100%. Hashtag. <laughs> okay. One last question of that before we move on. Should the Xfinity races be the same day? Well, I mean, at this point, we already know the schedule is out. So it's impossible unless they were racing at 8 a.m. in the morning. But would you like to see in the future the Xfinity races the same day as the cup races? Or do you think they should still be on two separate days? Definitely two different days. Yeah, I I would agree with that too. Two separate days. Okay. And what about qualifying before the race? Because we did that, what, twice this season? Yeah, we did it twice this year. Oh, that's fun. If you're going to make those guys start on the same tires, why not qualify an hour before you're going to start the race? <laughs> okay. Absolutely. I mean, no, that's that's true. I mean, let them run on those tires. I think that's a good idea. And I mean, for me with the two-day, sh- I'd rather just have the two-day show if it's necessary. Like if it's Xfinity and the Cup is on Sunday. For me personally, I like the two-day show format. You know, I like spending at least two days at the track. I think it's cool to come there Saturday and Sunday, enjoy myself, and then, you know, go home. So I am not really for the let's go early in the morning, for example, with the Xfinity and then run the cup in the afternoon, per se. I didn't ask you guys so many random (laughs) questions. I mean, I can keep pulling them out, but I know it's (laughs) people have a life. We can't talk about NASCAR the rest of the night. It is Renee's (laughs) favorite time of the show, predictions. But I do, even though we have, and this podcast is for fans by fans, we are all fans. I still wanted to read one fan comment and then we'll jump into predictions. So the fan comment of the week, comes from our Twitter chat, which is every Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We pose the question, who will be the next Monster Energy NASCAR champion? Tell us what you think. 42% of the voters voted Martin Truex Jr., 25% Kyle Busch, 20% Kevin Harvick, and 13% believe that Brad Keselowski will be our next champion. User Alex D, as in dog, 77 underscore, he chimed in and said, I'll root for Harvick as an SHR fan, but the person who deserves the championship more than anyone is Martin Truex Jr. So I read that comment because I wanted to ask you guys, in Formula One, Lewis Hamilton has already won the championship for this year, but you know he won last week. And then there are three more races left because they were in Brazil this week and then they have a race next week and then the finale in Abu Dhabi. But he's already crowned champion. Do you guys feel like NASCAR's format should kind of go back to a points thing? Or do you guys like the fact that the points start over when we get to 
homestead for the championship four and then all four of them are on equal playing ground so whoever wins or whoever comes in first before anybody else is going to be the winner do you guys like that or i don't mind uh starting back at square one for the last race i mean the points doesn't really matter at that point i don't think no they don't that's what i'm asking so now at this point everybody has five thousand points I mean, I, I'm okay with starting at square one. I mean, I don't, I, I don't know how you guys see it, but uh, I don't personally have a problem with that. Sure, when you got, how do you see that? I don't know why it would matter starting over at the end. There, I think it's it's actually quite fun to go into the last race where you have four people at equal amount of points. And I, hey, let's give it a go. Let's give it an honest go. Um, yeah, I definitely can agree with both what Sherwin and Renee said about just letting the points reset and then just let them loose and let them win the championship. But to like go back to with the whole Lewis Hamilton thing and how he's already clinched his uh, Formula One World Championship already uh, just a few races ahead of the end of the season. I think they've got a great formula when it comes to the whole idea of the playoffs. Like when they first started in 04, I thought it was a cool thing for them to do and everything. I guess it kind of gave it more drama and more amp to it. What I think, though, for me, I wouldn't be mad if they took the 2004 points format and took the field size of 2007, which was when I believe they upped it up to 12 drivers. Let 12 drivers run the points all the way through, and then let's just see what happens at the end. Maybe. I don't know. Some people may be indifferent about that. I will jump into some predictions, and before I do, I'll read you guys the past 10 winners. And right after that, I'll chime back in on the whole playoff situation or with the points. Our past 10 winners at Miami or at Homestead Miami, everybody just really wants to say Miami, but it's Homestead Miami. We race once a year at Homestead and we've been racing once a year there since 1999. In 2007, Matt Kenseth won. 2008, Carl Edwards. Hey, cousin Carl. 2009, Denny Hamlin. 2010, Carl Edwards. 2011, Tony Stewart. 2012, Jeff Gordon. 2013, Denny Hamlin. 2014, Kevin Harvick. 2015, Kyle Busch. And 2016, Jimmy Johnson. Interesting enough, 2014, 2015, and 2016, each of those winners were our champions. So in 2014, when Kevin Harvick won the race, he also became the champion as well as Kyle Busch in 2015 and Jimmy Johnson in 2016. Why that's significant is because we've been doing the new playoff format, I believe, since 2004. However, it kind of went through a major overhaul in 2014. So ironically, starting in 2014, the race winner was actually crowned the champion. That was just a little tidbit, a little history. But kind of chiming in, and hopefully you guys were able to understand where I was going with that. It's just ironic that it kind of falls this way. I think Martin Truex Jr. really deserves to be the champion, but he's not going to be champion if he doesn't win. So is it fair? You know, I mean, I I agree with you guys and I understand your point, but then I kind of am on the other side where I feel like maybe it should just be a point system all the way through. I don't know. Or I do know because I just told you guys. You guys, let me know. I, like I said, feel like we could possibly go back to the old days where it's just points all the way through because look at it for what it is. This has been a hell of a season for 
Martin Truex Jr., but he may not win the championship. So is it fair? He was the best driver this year, but now it's coming down to one race. I think it comes down to one thing, just like any other sport. I mean, it, but whether NASCAR it's football, is not or f- any other sport. Well, that's true. That's true. But sometimes the team who has the best season all year long doesn't always win, and neither. And I don't think it it works that way with drivers either. Now, I'm with you on that. When I say whoever deserves this more than anybody this year to win is Truex Jr. That's for sure, because that 78 car has just been phenomenal all year long. But I think that's what's exciting about it. Now, maybe Martin Truex Jr. fans are not going to feel that way. But I mean, I think it's kind of what moves you as a fan in general of, of just NASCAR. That's why you race the last race. Otherwise, then why race the last race? I mean, just go ahead and give it to Truex Jr. You got to race, you know, and you got to give the other guys an opportunity to try to win too. Okay, Sherman, I'll let you chime in and then we are going to jump into some predictions. Yep. All right. Well, we got an end of the season coming. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to watch a very exciting race at uh, Homestead. And we're going to have to try to predict who we think is going to win with only four guys that uh, (laughs) maybe they're not all fast enough to do that, though. Okay. So that's That's an interesting part of the equation. I don't know. Okay. So on that note, we have talked all night for our listeners. It's been a long night. We've been talking for two hours, but you guys are probably only here an hour because we've had some technical (laughs) issues. Okay. It's time for Tam and Renee's Race Predictions. Renee, who you got to win Homestead? And, well, I guess it's going to be two predictions, so to speak, because the question is who's going to win Homestead and who's going to become the new NASCAR champ. Okay. I'm just going to go ahead and just say it because I've already said it just a few minutes ago. Truex Jr. is my guy. I've been saying that almost halfway through the season, and then I even kind of really went on board with it. Once the playoffs started, only because the way that this guy has been racing all year long, he's just been racing on a completely different level, I think, than any other driver. Kyle Busch is a close second behind him, but Martin Truex Jr., I think, has just kind of like, you know, isolated himself all by himself, just the way he's been driving, especially since the playoffs have started. His racing during the whole year was one thing, but when the playoff started, I mean, he took it up a notch. And I just don't see anybody else but Martin Truex Jr. winning that race in Homestead. And uh, I see this number 78 car being the driver in the end out of both of those questions. Okay, Kenny? Um, Once again, of course, you know, me and Renee always end up seeing eye to eye on this stuff. But um, (laughs) I got to go with Martin Truex Jr. I mean, he's just had one hell of a season, like bar none. There's no way you can deny it. He's just been on a tear. And I hope that he will end up finishing this championship deal off because it's going to be pretty disappointing to see him not win it after the season he's had. It's kind of like how I probably feel about between him and Larson if they had both got there. So we'll see how it goes for him. I hope he has a great race in Homestead this upcoming weekend, but we'll see. How about you, Sherwin? Hoping that uh, Brad can do some funny things (laughs) at Homestead, like get everybody excited about – it would be a lot of fun for Brad to win. We know that the Fords are not fast, so they're going to have to do some really weird things with strategy to potentially have a chance. I am probably the only person that is going to say Kevin Harvick, and here's why. I feel like Martin Truex Jr. deserves to win, and I really want him to win, but Kevin Harvick is ruthless, and I mean that with the utmost respect. But I think he will do whatever it takes to win. 
And I see him winning at Homestead. And I see him as our new champion. There you go. So there you go. Wow. That can be fun. Yeah, you know, hey, and Sherwin, let me tell you something. I wouldn't put it past Brad to uh, do some funny things and make a miracle happen. I mean, that, Brad is Brad, and we know what kind of driver that guy can be. And <laughs> I mean, I don't know why that, that that would not surprise me, but you know what, man, that's an interesting pick. But I have to give it to Tim, you know. Uh, Harvick, your pick there, man, that that's a good pick too. And you're right. Truex does deserve it. All of those guys that are, you know, racing in the end here, all four of those drivers, they all deserve it. But, uh, you know, it's going to be quite an interesting race, guys. Hell yeah. Nobody went with Kyle Bush, which is crazy. I know, right? <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. I mean, yeah, think that, about that it. That is crazy. You have Kyle Bush, Kevin Harvick, as well as Brad Keselowski. All of those guys are going for their second championship. Martin Truex Jr. is the only person that's going for his first. Yeah. Wow. That's a good identification. That's I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. And guess what? Three of the four drivers are ruthless. Right? Not like that, but we know Kyle Busch will put you into the wall and then cuss you out. And then after the race, he may come up and try to hit you in the and, face. And then, and then do That's a mic just... drop <laughs> during the yeah. press conference. And then Kevin Harvick right, right. is ruthless. Exactly. Yeah, you know what? Martin Truex Jr. may not have a chance because those three guys may smell blood in the water. Nonetheless, we can talk all night. Thank you guys for joining us, Front Row Kitty. As always, we appreciate you every week. It has been a pleasure having you on, Sherwin. We love that you offer a different opinion than ours. Because unfortunately, Renee and Kenny, they just two peas in a pot. They agree. Well, I feel like Kenny, I feel like Kenny's my long lost like, son. I don't know what it is. No it is. Oh God. Well he, he yeah, is my well, son's age. True. He's right. On that note, we will make sure that Kenny, as well as Sherwin's information, is posted on the podcast. I beg of you guys to follow the PETM podcast on Twitter because I enjoy them. Yes, if I enjoy them, you guys must follow them. As well as Kenny and Renee, I don't know. Renee only talks about partying, so I don't know if you want to follow him <laughs> on Instagram or Twitter. But it's, it's been a couple of weeks yeah, since we it talked has. about and, uh, Vegas. I, have, I almost went to Vegas this weekend, but uh, I just couldn't get out there because I had shows uh, this weekend in town. So that kind of kept me here. But uh, I will say this, you guys, uh, just as Tam you know, mentioned a few minutes ago, I want to personally thank you guys for coming on our show. And, and we'd love to have uh, you guys on again. I'm going to get better with my technology. I promise you that. And um, I will get better at it. And I promise myself I'll get better at it. We thank you for coming and giving us your uh, insight and your predictions as well. You got our predictions. And for our listeners there, if you have a prediction, you want to hit us up and let us know about it. Hit us up on our social media. You can find us across the board at Turns No Breaks. That's at Turns No Breaks. You can hit us up on Instagram, Twitter, and you can hit us up on Facebook. Please subscribe to us. Find us on iTunes. Rate, review us. Leave us a comment. We really do appreciate your comments. And your feedback, you can find us on Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. For Tam, myself, Front Row Kenny, and my man Sherwin, we want to thank you for listening to us today. Be kind to each other. We will see you here next week. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for tuning in with Tam and Renee. 